Hello and welcome to episode one of the Cobblestone Podcast. My name is Adam Houlihan and I'm joined here by my co-host and friend, Tomas Mulligan. For those of you who don't know, the Cobblestone is a traditional Irish music pub located at the top of Smithfield Square in Dublin 7. The aim of this podcast is to bring you, the listener, a little bit closer to the comfort of the cobblestone through the medium of conversation. Join us as we talk to some prominent musicians and colourful characters that have passed through the doors of the cobblestone over the last 30 years. So it's only fitting that the first guest that we have on our podcast is the proprietor of the cobblestone, Tom Mulligan, my father. And we had a great time interviewing Tom. He goes into our family history uh, of music. He talks about his experience working in bars. He talks about the first session here in the Cobblestone, which was played by his brother, Neely, who we owe a big thank you to, because Neely has allowed us to use his tune, Bornacula, as the theme song for this podcast. And Tom also talks about what the future holds for the Cobblestone in this era of uncertainty during the COVID-19 pandemic. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Tom Mulligan. Tom Mulligan, welcome to the podcast. And uh, I suppose we'll, we'll start now by asking, yeah, how long has the pub been closed? Well, uh, we closed on the 14th of March um, last year, 2020, mm-hmm. and we will be, we're closed 11 months now, it'll be 12 months like next month. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's been a very kind of strange year. We were, we had a kind of always figured out that it took us a long time to develop the whole um, uh, theme of the pub, like, we we opened in 1988, and then we went on and we we changed the format when we saw the development going around. We were an early morning house, a market pub. We had darts and pool, and we had a sing song on a Sunday night, and we saw this um, change coming in the whole area. And we were near town, and before any of the development took place. So, because I had a, a special interest in a lifelong kind of interest in Irish music and song and dance to, we said we would try and develop that area of uh, uh, the pub and make it a, a kind of a centre for music. Now we would have started in the early 90s and uh, it, I always tell people of recent that it, we became an overnight success after 25 years of trying <laughs> and like if in the last five years before the lockdown the place had kind of taken off it was kind of boom time we had and it was all down through a, a lot of effort like we had yeah. we had a, a lot of celebrities pass through here like steve martin with his banjo and some of the nitty gritty dirt band that they played with the mccown pipers and we had uh, we had Billy Connolly here doing his world tour of Great Britain and Ireland, and we had several other kind of very prominent people, and all that stuff along with the people that came in here, and because there was no television set and there was nothing to do here but listen to music, partake in the music, or get involved in a conversation. And the conversation was an amazing part of the success here because people could talk, and tourists coming here, all they want to do is talk. I mean, they can go. Uh, the whole thing about 
coming to a country and getting involved in something local is that if you don't actually get involved, you may as well just look at a video and sit at home, you know? Yeah. So. Where did your own uh, love for the music come from? Well, I have to blame my father, same name as myself, Tom, <laughs> or TP, was he was affectionate. <laughs> and uh, he was a fiddle player from South Leitrim on the Longford border, a place called Barnacoola. And uh, he came to Dublin. He was the eldest of a family of seven and he worked uh, manually in uh, the railway in there uh, was, was a narrow gauge railway met the main gauge Dublin Sligo railway in Drummond in County Leith. he worked on that for a week and said that is not for me I'm going to Dublin so he was the eldest and he, he left for Dublin and he arrived here with a fiddle arrived in what was then Broadstone railway station which is now a Lewis station yeah. and uh, like after that was he got involved in he worked in a factory down in the North Strand he uh, met a, a fellow called Jinx Colley who was a flute player he worked as a cook in Mountjoy prison and uh, he got him and introduced him to musicians and other and then he, eventually what happened is he got a job with the Irish Life Assurance Company and his life was, was kind of good after that and he, he then met and married my mother she was a, a girl called Kitty McMahon from Bale Strand outside Ballybunion in County Kerry and after that like there was eight of us were born and reared around Fibsborough and we wouldn't be, it'd be about a mile from where we are at the moment in Smithfield, but uh, it was all about music. And I suppose the most prominent of the musicians in our family in, in this generation would be my brother Neely, who was a phenomenal piper, Ilan Piper. And uh, he was great. He was a great uh, kind of uh, inspiration, certainly to me, because I didn't take up music till I was in my 40s. And, it still shows. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you brought music to the cobblestone force, yeah. like I remember before lockdown and stuff, counting up how many sessions. Yeah. But there was a week. Yeah. And it was a ridiculous amount of sessions yeah. by any means. Yeah. Did you have uh, as many sessions at the start, or did you get gradually no. build it up? Yeah. Well, the first session we had here, I asked. Uh, my brother Neely, the go-to man, you know, uh, would he uh, like to come and play here? And he he brought in Sean O'Brien, who's a great flute player from the Navan Road, the son of Paddy Bond. He brought in Larry Kinsler, a concertina player from Wexford, and Vincent Harrison, a fiddle player from County Leitrim. Now, Larry died and... Vincent died, and the only two original men from that very first session are Neely and Sean O'Brien, and two of them play on the last track of the first Cobblestone CD. But we only had music on maybe a Friday and a Saturday night when we started off, and then we extended it into Sunday, back to Thursday, maybe Wednesday, and then we finished off the week by by filling in Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. So there was only one session per day then and you would have a lot of um, tourists used to come in and say is there music here tonight and say yeah starts at half nine well by half nine we'll be in bed asleep but we have an early trip to Killarney or the Glens of Antrim tomorrow you know yeah. so you know and that was what set us thinking about getting music started earlier so 
the tourists kind of uh, dictated what way the music should be. Absolutely. Um, you said that you started here in the late 80s, 88, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just wondering if you could give us a brief history of the pub or the building itself. Like, yeah. Was there always a pub in this corner? Did it have yeah. music before you came yeah. along? Well, uh, in 1988, uh, uh, this pub was owned by a lad from County Leash called Cherry Power, right. and he sold it. and. Uh, at the time, it was all, it was a very markets-driven pub with a, an early morning license. We didn't even do food, you know. And uh, it was, it, in my memory, I remember coming here back in the 70s with my father because um, he was involved in the Church Street Music Club, which was called St. Mary's, and it was based down beside St. Mitchin's uh, Church of Ireland Church in Church Street and they had a club there in a room above a building near uh, the pub and uh, like when that pub was being renovated and the building next door was being redone they had to move somewhere so they moved into the Scouts Hall in Church Street for a couple of weeks and it was only a Wednesday night and then they had to get out of there for the scouts were doing something there and then they moved up to this pub and it was Murphy's pub at the time and they used to play down on the right hand side if you come in it was down at the very back and it was John Egan was the main man he was a, a flute player from Riverstown in County Sligo and it would have been Pearl McBride who would be a, a, a sister of Simon McBride mm. and a great crew of uh, of uh, of statesman-like musicians that came in, you know, and you would have, like, when Church Street was going strong, you had the Dubliners used to come in there, the Fury Brothers, the, you know, all the, 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 the best and the good of the Irish music situ situation at the time. You know? Yeah. So it was, music was played here, but it was only on a temporary basis, it was only a Wednesday night, and uh, in that day, in that time, there was a bar and a lounge here and uh, if you come in the side door you had to turn right and open another door if you come in from Red Cow Lane and that was the lounge and it was a penny dearer for a point in the lounge right. than in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so where were you coming from before you set up the cobblestone? Well before I, I, I had a career for the want of a better word I started work in 1969 uh, during a, a secondary school teacher strike um, it was a nationwide strike and I got a job then with an insurance company uh, in Dame Street and Anglesey Street, it was called Kylan Company and I was kind of found it okay you know and I started off as an office boy and then kind of worked up and then in 1972 I moved to uh, the PMPA insurance company as a, um, a claims, we used to deal with motor claims and then I got promoted to inspector and uh, was on the road for them for a while. And then the company itself, of which I was a shareholder, went bust in 1983 and the receivers came in. So I was saying to myself, well, I'm going to America now or something, you know. And then um, when that happened, uh, a friend of mine was leaving a pub he had rented or he had 
he'd run up and outside of Dundalk, south of Dundalk, and we went up there and took the lease for four years. So it was called the Claremont Arms in the village of Black Rock. Mm-hmm. And it was myself, and myself, I took my youngest brother Alfie with me for one night, and he's still up there. <laughs> <laughs> Married with three children, they're all good musicians too. Tyg and uh, Saron and, and uh, Saif. There's, a, there's a lot of music in the family now. Oh, there is, yeah, yeah. We have just plenty of it. Neely, my uh, piping, my Ilan piping brother, of which Alfie is another one, uh, he's like, he has four kids and they're great musicians and dancers. There's Fiacra and Oshin are the two boys and they're both fiddle and piper, pipers. And then you have Quiva uh, and Ava who are both. Besides being good dancers, they're a fiddle player and a concertina player. Right. So they're very good. My brother Colm has three uh, children. There is uh, Siobhan plays the fiddle, Neve plays the whistle, and uh, Parik, uh, who used to work in the pub here before he, he left for America. He was a piper as well. Yeah. Good, good one too. So. Um, a thing I love about the sessions here is a lot of them are very inclusive yes most of them are like playing with the likes of Sean uh, Simon McBride and Mick O'Grady yeah they just do their best to encourage you to play Absolutely. was that always the case with sessions I know you uh, set up the Ballyclavis could you yeah. tell us a bit about that and how yeah. that well the two lads you, you, you mentioned like both Simon McBride and Mick O'Grady are probably the most uh, welcoming people you could ever meet mm-hmm. in anywhere, you know, regardless of music. But we did, we did say, you mentioned the balaclavas, it sounds very subversive, but it's <laughs> not quite actually as bad as that. What I used to get from customers here a lot of the time was, I'd love to be in that corner, I'd love to be playing music. And I used to ask them about playing music. Yeah. And they would say, yeah, play a bit the banjo, and play a bit in the harp, I have a whistle, I, I sing a song. And I'd say, well, come on and come in somewhere. And I wouldn't do it. So eventually um, we decided we would, st- we would start a class maybe one night a week and it turned out to be a Wednesday so uh, we set it all up and I went back to this one guy in particular and I said to him right we've set up this class will you come in and join us and we'll teach you music and all and oh no 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 he says I wouldn't I wouldn't be able for that like I mean I'm too shy for that you know which was a different type of attitude and I said well if you're that shy we'll give you a balaclava and nobody will know who you are (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, the name stuck, but it sounds subversive, but it's editing. But, but then, like, just there before uh, lockdown happened, like, you would have 50 and 60 adults now, they're all adults, uh, coming in, and it became a very social sort of thing, and it's still going on in Zoom and online. And uh, they're a great kind of a community, but all adults, and we used to go, we used to go up to Dundalk the odd time, and we went out to various other little sessions in that would be organised and then we would have a concert maybe twice a year where we would put musicians that didn't know each other uh, but to be all adult pupils and we would put them depending on the instrument that we're playing like you would put an accordion with a flute with a fiddle with a uh, concertina and 
the harp uh, and we would make them play and they would bring all their friends to see like and their family to see the concerts so it was a, a great success and it's kind of just a, a bit of a pity that it has kind of hit the, this uh, lockdown but it's as I say it's still going on online and you can get it under balaclava.ie yeah. or through the cobblestone uh, webpage great yeah um, you organised a, uh, a load of tours we were lucky enough to be involved in a couple of them but tell us some of the experiences yeah. that you've had abroad well I think uh, well, well, I went out a few times to uh, uh, one of the Baltic countries Estonia they were over here in 1988 a great group of musicians uh, of which one of them just died the other day Jack Johansson mm-hmm. and uh, he was a member of a great family band but uh, I went out a few times and I was starting to play a bit of music at the time and uh, my brother Neely was the kind of the, the hero like, it was like welcoming home a hero when he went out there because yeah. they were very impressed with them all together so I was talk, talking to a publican here an Irish guy from I uh, used to own the Viscount up in Whitehall, and uh, he had a pub in Odense in Denmark. And we went out there three summers, like three times, and we brought, you know, groups of, of between five and fifteen people. And that was kind of the start of it. We went to uh, Slovakia. We went back to Latvia. We went to uh, again Estonia. We had a great week with a family band in Switzerland and it was a kind of a rock festival I think it was Palio Festival the Palio Fest yeah outside Geneva you know and they were treated like we were we were treated like rock stars you know (laughs) hotel rooms and everything collected and oh celebrated lovely stuff and all through a a nephew of mine uh, own Ophelan and um, and then we did uh, Lithuania Lithuania, well, we did so back here, yeah. But Lithuania, we were asked, uh, a fellow walked in here at the pub and asked me, could I put a, an orchestra together of 25 people? And I said, no problem. And then we said about So we went over there for their national celebration of independence, which was a, a century of independence from uh, Russia. And we played at uh, we played at their celebration. We were there for three days uh, to a city called Kaunas, and uh, we were treated very well and regally. And uh, it was a, a great introduction to uh, Lithuanian uh, culture. And we had a lad here from Lithuania who was uh, played a nobo. Nicholas. Yeah, he, uh, but uh, he came with us. We asked him to come with us, and he was like a returned hero when we got there, too. You know, <laughs> yeah, it was great, great, it was a great trip, great trip. It was, yeah. So, there's plenty more of these ahead if this lockdown ever finishes or <laughs> they find a cure for hopefully it. Hopefully, it does. Hopefully, yeah. it does. Yeah. Um, there, was a, there was a great host of musicians came on that trip, as, <laughs> as uh, did on other trips as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a lot, pretty much all of them would be in on at least a weekly basis. Absolutely. In the pub. Yeah. So yeah. I was wondering if you could talk for a little bit about some musicians that you have got to, you see a lot of potential in and you've got to witness the potential of throughout the years in the pub. Well, you know, musicians are a kind of a queer breed. You know, we have, we have what we consider to be... Um, top-class musicians hosting sessions uh, 
but every so often, you know, and there isn't, there's hardly a week, well, well this is when we were open, of course, there's hardly a week goes by that, like, somebody doesn't come in and impress you, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to mention names when you, you know, because some of them came from foreign foreign lands and some of them came from locally but you know there are some phenomenal and great musicians particularly a younger crew of musicians now I'm in my 60s so I always thought I knew who the great musicians were up until my children started bringing in their friends and all their acquaintances who just happened to be musicians as well and you know, they would play tunes together, and I said, "Where in the name of God did they come out?" Of, you know, <laughs> and this is all over Ireland. Look, I, it's not for me to say who was the greatest, because as I say, like I thought I knew who all the greats were until my children kind of grew up and then started bringing in their friends, and these ones just kind of blew my mind away that they were this capable and this good, you know, and they're there to keep it going you know mm-hmm. like, and this would be you know I'm talking about musicians singers dancers the whole you put it all together you know and the whole lot you know um, there's there's a, a great crew about you know and I watched uh, uh, my own children went to Kyotori Clontarv uh, and learned their music there and all the friends that they made there they still have and they still play together and they still uh, come in and we go and we meet them at festivals and we meet them at outings and the the quality of their music um, is unbelievable too you know and I mean that's these are these are kind of people in their twenties who have you know impressed and I'm sure there's more coming up behind them that Absolutely. are equally as good so it'd be it'd be wrong for me to pick out somebody I probably have one or two. Favorites myself, but I kind of let you find out that. Cards close to the chest. <laughs> yeah. I remember one night in particular, I was I was off, so I'd had a few pints and then a few more, and then you weren't working. I wasn't working. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine working. Yeah. But um, Tomas came in then and said Tom was getting off the loose with a few people, and I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> So I was sitting there at the bar, and then next you arrive with a full orchestra. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us about that. Well, that was, uh, it was to do with, we used to have a girl, used to come in here from around Barcelona, and she was living here, and she was a lovely fiddle player, and she used to, she used to play a couple of nice tunes that I liked of her. Fandango was one of them, you know. She was just great, and lovely, lovely girl. She went back to Barcelona after her time here, and then she emailed me one day, and she says, my brother who lives in the Czech Republic is coming over with an orchestra and they're playing in the Point Depot. And uh, they're called the Blue... What was it? The Blue Planet. The Blue Planet Orchestra. The Attenborough documentary. Yeah. yeah. And... uh, we, she got us a couple of tickets and her brother was the fiddle player we went down we enjoyed the the, the whole uh, performance with like the backdrop was all this amazing film work that Attenborough had had done you know and the music was then put to it you know yeah. so it was all very relevant and I had an MC on there and she was great and the whole lot of them got on the Lewis with me outside the Point Depot and landed up here and we had to borrow <laughs> uh, we had to borrow a piano accordion we had to borrow a, a clarinet we had to borrow fiddles and because the, all their instruments were with the band and they come up here and played for about three hours after the concert 
it was just an incredible night's music, you know, incredible yeah. night's music. Yeah. I remember even ringing me mother, and like, there's an orchestra here, and it's just, what, what are you ringing me for? <laughs> I want to share it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, at Christmas there, uh, I suppose the first peep out of the cobblestone for about nine months was um, this gig that was organised in tandem with uh, the Complex Theatre. Yeah. Um, and we had uh, we had the honour uh, and the privilege of presenting it and uh, and playing on that show as well. Yeah. Uh, and there was great musicians on it. It, it was a tr- yeah. truly lovely show. Uh, yeah. And I was I'm very proud to be a part of it. Yeah. But it was a success. It was a success. Yeah. Well, the, the the one about this was uh, um, uh, there's a, a, a Vanessa Fielding is the artistic director in the complex theatre and she's a great woman for the arts and I would know her coming on 25, 30 years at this stage and she has always tried to get the arts up and running and involve the local community here and she came to me before before Christmas and said to me could we get a concert, an online concert and set up and we will charge I think the princely sum of seven euro for maybe a, an hour and a half's entertainment, which was good, you know. And um, the first man I rang was Paul O'Shaughnessy, and Paul is a magnificent fiddle player, and him and his brother Tom uh, agreed to uh, partake in it, but not before he said, I haven't taken the fiddle out, Tom, since lockdown, you know. <laughs> and Paul would be a, a kind of a stalwart here on a Sunday evening, you know, around seven o'clock. Yes. And like he would be one of my favourite. Now, he's a very exciting sort of a musician, you know. Mm-hmm. So him and his, his brother Tom came, and then uh, John Flynn would be a, a, a great flute player, singer, guitar player, multi-instrumentalist from uh, Marino here in Dublin and plays with a band called uh, Skipper's Alley and uh, and got product too out of Kyotori Clontarev and mm-hmm. a friend of my son's and he would, uh, he has a, a fantastic voice and he's a just a, 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 an even better musician and himself and Ono Kahneman who would be a fellow band member who are both fantastic singers they can sing Oskega and Bear the Freshen and they they put on a, a lovely uh, uh, performance that for that show as well and then I had Needy and his family were there and we had Ishpini Naherden who were the stalwarts and <laughs> The presenters and, uh, you know, I mean, it was, uh, we had Mick O'Grady who was uh, kind of, uh, he's one of the first guys I ever met from County Leitrim, from Balneglera, and uh, my my two daughters, Shiva and Maeve, uh, accompanied him in the, in the, in the performance. Uh, Neely's ones danced and he had the, he had his son, Fiacre, who couldn't make the, because of work commitments, he couldn't make the, the family family get together, so him and Neely played as a duet, and then he played with the rest of his family later on in the day. So it was a it was a success. Um, the fact that you have to pay for these things, and I don't know nothing comes cheap, but it was a kind of a worrying time and trying to get it up. But we thought it would be a great idea. Uh, having said 
this to the complex theatre as well, that um, all these out of work technical people and musicians, it would be a great thing for them to do. And coming out of that, uh, we have another one coming up uh, over the St. Patrick's Festival. And it came about because they had booked the uh, Complex Theatre for St. Patrick's Night. And upon checking with with the St. Patrick's Festival, they said, well, we can't use the physical property for anything now we're going online so Vanessa Fielding sent them on the Christmas concert and they said well we'll have a bit of that so we've another completely new lineup ready to go and it's been edited and it will go out now excellent uh, uh, yeah. can you give us a Give us any indication of who will be on that. Oh well, there's there's a, a, a few good ones. Kevin Rowson oh. and his wife Lorraine uh, are um, resident here on a Sunday, and they have they put in a lovely performance. We have uh, um, Larry Egan along with uh, Jackie Martin and her sister Claire, uh, all based in North County Dublin now, and. Uh, they're kind of operating a bubble and they're involved in it as well. We have a, a, a great dancer who lives in Drumcondra now, Mary Beth Taylor, and uh, she's uh, she works for, uh, in education and uh, she's, she's a great dancer. She taught dancing here in the back room in the pub for a long time and uh, we took her on uh, that trip to Denmark with us once mm. as well. Um, we have Dunica Dwyer, uh, who plays along with Sean O'Brien on flute and Michelle O'Brien on fiddle. Dunica is an illum pipe maker and a piper himself, and they have a lovely little trio going together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simon McBride, whom we mentioned earlier on, he's performing with two of his sons. There's Ad- Aaron and Keen, and that would be fiddle, flute, and pipes as well. And a great combination, and probably my favourite. Um, I'm probably leaving somebody out now. Um, Saron. Oh yes, yeah. We have a, I have a nephew, Saron, uh, who comes from Dundalk. He's he won a silver medal there in UCD for his musical contribution to the course. He's doing mathematics and music there. And he was he was featured in um, Temple Bar Tradfest last year when he did a solo concert in Dublin, uh, beside Dublin Castle in the City Hall. So he's a he's a, a bit of a genius himself, and he's playing along with a, a lovely uh, fiddle player and clarinet player called Myrna Nick Robin from County Wicklow. She's around. Blessington and the two of them play nice music together now mm-hmm. and they're the, an up and coming generation and they are probably the youngest performers we have on this uh, show so uh, we have a singer called Michal Quinn he's from Mullabon in County Armagh and uh, he sings four songs now his singing is just superb and I just enjoy listening to him and he was he was a personal favourite and uh, we chose them uh, without any discussion. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned. So it it will uh, go out over ahead. six days. It will go out over six days over the St Patrick's Festival. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, you mentioned earlier the Ballyclavis, which are on, which happens on a Wednesday. Yeah. What other events uh, in the background? 
yeah. were there? I know well, there's a, a big variety of dancing yeah. and singing. Yeah, we used to have class. We kind of kept the back room for classes. In, on a Monday night, we had uh, Shano's dancing classes. We had Irish dancing class, and we had uh, set dancing. And then we had set dancing again on a Tuesday. But we also that was also um, combined with a uh, singing singing classes yeah. that were um, held by Indy Kay was the girl that was uh, Etna Nikahan she was she was putting on lovely classes there and then the the um, the music classes the adult music classes on Wednesday night the ballet classes but like on every fourth Sunday you'd have uh, um, the night Larry got stretched which was a singing club and uh, it was just a great hive of of uh, songs and you know sometimes they'd have a guest and other times they would they would use what was there anyway without a guest but it, it's a great uh, kind of a, a community of singers that you could sit there and listen to all day and night if you could if you wanted to yeah amazing and then we used to do gigs maybe on a Thursday Friday and a Saturday yeah if we had time for it. <laughs> and, uh, uh, was it the first Tuesday of every month? First Tuesday of every month was the Ellen Pipers. Um, it would be the Nepebriel and they have a, a place up in uh, Henrietta Street, not only a couple of hundred yards from here, and they're in the process, or, or they have plans to build a theatre next door to their present headquarters. Oh. And uh, when that is, when that is uh, completed, they will move that concert up there. But in the meantime, we're honoured to have them playing here. Uh, Gay McKeown uh, will be the chairman of the NPU, and there's Emmett Gill up there, and there's you know there's a, a great hive of piping activity going on up there, and they do great things. They teach classes. They they're involved, and it's all about the education of pipers and spreading the the world of piping all over the world. You know, or spreading the the word of it, you know, the music of it, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, we met in Ballyferma on a traditional Irish music course. Yeah. Tell us about your experience there. Well, Do you recommend uh, it? Yeah, well, it, it came out, for as far as I was concerned, it came out of the Balaclavas as well, because uh, Anne Kelsey, who was a Kilkenny girl and uh, a flute player, she decided she was going to do something with her life and go off and, and join this course, you know. And, and I thought about it and I said I couldn't do it. And I couldn't. Anyway, I did join it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a two-year course. And uh, I found it to be great because at that stage we had done away with the early morning open. And so we didn't open till the afternoon. So it was great just to have something else to do. And we met a lot of nice people there. Like, I mean, Paul McGrattan would be the the main man and the course director there and he was very helpful and like he did he did things for I suppose budding adult musicians that uh, you know is second to none like he's a, he's a kind of a an icon in adult education and particularly music education now you know yeah. and uh, talking about Anne Kelsey when the two year course was o over Anne went back and, f and spent another year there and did her BA her Bachelor of Arts and has you know has enjoyed she's a great she's a better musician than me you now but she was she was a great musician and we formed a a, a band while we were there and uh, we had uh, 
Derek Copley, who was a, a left-handed fiddle and mandolin and banjo player, and we had uh, Victoria from Poland, who was a, a fiddle player, and Catherine was a concertina player from Donegal originally, but living here in Dublin, and we we got an invitation to go to Latvia and we went out there for a, uh, the Baltica festival as it was at the time and we spent a week going around there so again it was a we felt we represented Ireland well and we were the only Irish group there and we met, met and made a lot of friends out there so it was good and then I met a lot of other people that were involved in music as well and we did a trip down to uh, Ballyvorne and Cork you came on that and, uh, oh, I missed that one you missed that one yeah, yeah. It was great. yeah but it was nice nice one now nice one yeah. so um, before we move on to uh, your hopes for the future yeah. in this strange time I just want to go back to something that you said there yeah. from the past that you used to open early yeah you don't do it anymore, don't or, do you, it anymore. or you haven't for yeah. uh, a good few years now. Yeah. What was the decision-making process behind deciding to open later, and why did you stop opening early? Well, uh, it was, uh, uh, at the start, economically, the only thing uh, that was um, making money here would have been the early morning uh, opening, because... It, it wasn't, it was a, a downright uh, rundown area when we came here first back mm -hmm. in 88. And I got married in 88 and we lived over the pub first. But if you wanted to, if you were looking for, if you had your car stolen or something at the time and you wanted to find it, you'd find it down the square at some stage. <laughs> and my, the first night I appeared here, my car was robbed. So, and it was used in the hit and run down in down Bourbon Street. Now, it, 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 was, it was a grand place in the morning. There was plenty of people around. There was a few scrapyards and vegetable dealers here. But at night time, it was a different, it was an eerie sort of a place. But I always found it lucky. But, you know, when they started redeveloping the square, then we decided, like, it's time to do something here. And the opportunity was uh, to do something completely different. So we decided we would bring the music in, get rid of the television, get rid of the pool tables, get rid of the dartboards, and we would try and work on uh, developing a nighttime trade or an evening trade, and that's where that came. But as I said, we became an overnight success after 25 years of trying. <laughs> Do you miss the early house? Uh, the early house, uh, you know what, the one thing about the early house was anybody that came through that door had a story. And if it was quiet, you could sit and listen to them, you know, talking, telling stories all day, you know. Yeah. And, uh, the, you know, it, amazing the people that came through there now, you know. Yeah. I remember a few stories. I remember uh, one, one story about a, a lad that came in uh, the front door one, yeah. one, one afternoon. Now, we weren't quite, about three people in the pub at the time. And he was well jarred, and you could see he was well jarred. And... Uh, I went out around the counter and I met him. He was kind of an elderly sort of a man. And uh, I said, no, 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 no drink here today. And he was all smiles and he was, he was in great form. And I walked him out the front door and he turned right and he headed for Stony Batter. And I watched him go and he was he's still smiling and going. And about 
half an hour later, he came in the side door from Red Cow Lane. And I, I said hello to him. He says to me, do you hold all the pubs around here? You'd have to walk around the block. <laughs> He still didn't get any drink. <laughs> I never saw him again, but it was one of the more humorous things, you know. Yeah. And the three customers were, were like that, that were there at the time. They all said, "Where did you get him from?" <laughs> yeah. uh, so we are we're in a very strange time. Uh, it is for about a year now, and I suppose it's the longest time that there there hasn't been people in here playing music. Yeah. Uh, in in the hopes that we get back to some semblance of normal, yeah. hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah. What are your hopes for the future of the cobblestone? Well, um, I have to say I felt I had accomplished something in the years I was here and putting um, this place on the map uh, as a centre uh, for Irish music. And it was more like a cultural centre rather because we don't, as I said, have a television and we don't have any other distractions. And it's all about music, song and dance. And we uh, we found ourselves to being very, very busy like for the last five years before closed down. And it came as a kind of a big uh, shock to us to have to close down at all. And when we did close down, I suppose we were a bit like the rest of the country. We thought it might be gone for a couple of weeks or maybe a month or six weeks. And it has, it's, it's been very, very hard from the point of view of keeping your mind occupied and uh, the clothes down and, you know, not seeing the people you are used to seeing. Mm -hmm. Now, I have to say, everyone that took part in these concerts that uh, we have forgone out online, uh, everyone, the one thing they all said to me was, God, it was great to get out and meet people and play a few tunes, which we haven't done. And like it was a, it was a foregone conclusion that they would come in and play every week, and you would, you would, be lucky enough to listen to what they have to say. But uh, for them, it was a kind of a, a big shock, you know, a big shock to have to put their instruments away. It's like Paul O'Shaughnessy she said, I never took me fiddle out of the case since last March. Mm. And this was December, you know. Yeah. So, you know, it, 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 you would like to see if there, if places like this are missing, you know, you, you have to draw a comparison to that, like to sport, to, the, 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 the impetus is gone for sport, it's gone for music, it's gone for a lot of artistic designs and a lot of artistic activities. Um, people get into uh, uh, maybe bad habits or they lose the will and the inclination to be involved, you know. Um, there is still great uh, every time I meet somebody I meet somebody in the street every day and they're saying when are we going back and I'm saying well when we're let when we're let but I would I would think that uh, this lockdown like which is, which is definitely going to be a year old next month but it has given people an opportunity to think about the values of their lives and the values in their lives and what they have been able to accomplish while this lockdown has been going on. Um, 
ye wouldn't be sitting around this table if this if we were all working hard. So this is kind of creative stuff for ye, and I wish ye the best of luck with it in the future. But I I I would see um, that the whole music situation, like Irish music and culture, has spread throughout the world, and it is a very very acceptable culture um, all over. You know, I mean. Uh, I can say that from people I've spoken to who heard about this place and heard about Ireland and heard about the music and the dance and all they wanted to do was to experience that which is a lovely, lovely thing, you know Um, and I would hope that that will come back maybe not quite as strong as it was prior to lockdown because travel is is going to be restricted and until they have a a proper um and maybe they do have a proper vaccine now but but until they have um until people feel safe that they can travel mm-hmm. um you know it's 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 one of those things that, you know we could you could end up with open the doors and nobody could come in now that's the worst case scenario yeah but um for ourselves, ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> you can play, play a few tunes ourselves, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Thank you very much, And uh, we hope that you'd uh, come on again and have a chat with us in the future. I'd be uh, delighted, delighted. Yeah, thank you. Um, and thank you for everything that you've done for the arts in Dublin and Ireland. Well, I'd be blushing. Uh, I'd be blushing. Yeah. You've been a patron of ours and uh, and many many others. And uh, personally, I don't think that you get the, the the recognition that you deserve because it's a. Are you it's a, prejudiced? Here? I am a bit prejudiced, but it's, it's a case of <laughs> yeah. it's a case of that um, you don't really know what you've got until it's gone. And just yeah, how you were talking, that in truer. Yeah, never uh, that in truer. Just, <laughs> thank you. Uh, <laughs> just how you were talking there about all these people that you used to see every day yeah. and. And then, in an instant, it was gone. Yeah. And uh, it got, over the last year, it, we've all really had time to like take stock of what we had yeah. and, uh, and learn new tunes. Learn new tunes, indeed. <laughs> uh, Write new songs, of yeah. course. Yeah. Uh, but um, I, I'd be hopeful for the future of this place. I feel that when, uh, when we get the green light to open up, I don't think people will forget it. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people are. Uh, definitely holding the cobblestone as a place that will be once they feel safe enough it'll be the first place that they go and uh, they'll be aiming to be the last people kicked out (laughs) (laughs) true Uh, so thank you thank you very much thanks for listening God bless you lads